Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Today we will be talking about the 6th round of the UCI World Cup which took place in the Czech Republic in Tabor and I am joined by Isam. Hey everybody. Antoine. Hello. So as said we were in the Czech Republic today for the 6th round of the World Cup. We came here with Eli Izebiet as our leader. He had a big lead over his teammate Michael van Turenhout in the overall. Isam, tell us what happened in the men's race there. Yeah, indeed, it was in Tabor, the Czech Republic, and it was uh, dry and fast, and, and that meant that it was all going to be peloton forming and a lot of big groups and tactical riding. Basically, in the for the first half of the race, we saw a, a very hard-working Lars van der Haar on the front of the, of the peloton, in a way, trying to make sure that it was going to be a selective group going into the, the further part of the race. Halfway in the race, we had the lead group of six riders with Van der Haar, Van Turenhout, Iserbiet, Arts, and Van Kessel. Hermans, in that uh, fourth lap, actually got a puncture. Uh, he was close to the pit zone, so he could actually change his bike. But on such a parkour, it's very bad to have a puncture anyways. Um, Zweig and Bastans were behind that group of six, which was now five, because uh, Hermans uh, was actually uh, dropped out of that group, and Hermans rejoined behind them. In the end, all these three would rejoin back to the main group. Van Turenhout was in the beginning, or in the middle of the race, giving a very good impression, maybe a little bit the best impression of them all, uh, especially with those barriers. Uh, and he puts the pressure in lap five, trying to use the barriers into his advantage. Uh, only Arts and Iserbid are able to follow, but that attack results in, in nothing due to the fact that the pace is just very hard to keep it on a very high level and everybody was kind of uh, getting back with them in the end. Uh, Iserbid tries to do it again in lap 6, also using those barriers. Uh, Van der Haar is the only one actually really able to follow and he even counters that attack. The others start to struggle. Uh, the only one that really will be able to join these two in front will be Hermans, but also that will only be for briefly, because uh, he in the end will also tr- struggle with those two guys, and in the end will get that third place. So then we had a battle for victory between Van der Haar and Iserbiet. Uh Van der Haar was, was just the strongest today, he was very strong, but Iserbiet under pressure for the last two laps, and it, it was just nothing he could do against it. Iserbiet had his moment on the barrier, came a little bit closer, but it was just not close enough, and in the end, the strongest guy just won. The the European champion of the moment, the current European champion, won from the former European champion in Tabor, uh, and it was a third place for Hermans. A very strong ride by Lars van der Haar saw him take his first win in the World Cup since the World Cup in Hoogerheide 2017, 1757 days ago, so that's really a long time ago. That was uh, good to see, but if we look at that race a bit, it was a tactical one, as you said, Isam. In the beginning of the race, we saw Izebit staying behind a bit, but Izebit, they never gave Izebit the chance to take the initiative in the race. It was, for once, not Paul Sauzer who was in charge of the race, it was more the Balvas Trek Lions. That was something that I noticed during the race. I wouldn't even say it was it was Balvas Trek Lions, I think it was mainly Lars van der Haar that had the race under control from the start. He he didn't let anybody have his moments. Normally, especially at such a race, you could see, uh, you, we would see a lot more, you know, tactical riding because uh, Hermans had Van Kessel. You had obviously the Paul Sauzer guys with Van Turenhout, even Zweig. But we couldn't really see that Zweig had his moment that he tried to attack, but that was very fast countered by Hermans. And from that moment, it was I, I just couldn't really see the tactical moments. And that was... Really, due to the work for for Van der Van der Haar in the beginning of the race, and normally that is something that when you do such 
when you take such initiative, it can very fast backfire, especially on such a parkour. But Van der Haar was just the strongest. There was nothing, there was no one that was going to stop him today, and he was just flying. And uh, the strongest guy really won. Yeah, Van der Haar was extremely strong today, and I think uh, Isabit played a really good race. Uh, with positioning himself, but he just didn't have the legs today. And uh, as you said, indeed, Lars van der Haar controlling the race really well. Uh, and I think uh, also the Tormans helped uh, helped a little bit with uh, disrupting the Paulsau's uh, block. About what Isam said, that it could backfire at some point. I thought that it almost backfired on van der Haar. At some point he was dropped. We saw Hermans having a cap together with Isabit and Arts, and van der Haar was behind, but... Eventually, he managed to close that gap and then took back the leading position in the race. So that was only the only moment in the race I thought, oh, maybe Van der Haar went a bit too fast. But yeah, I mean, if we look at his tactics, the parkour itself, it's, in my opinion, a very nice parkour. You guys are free to give your opinion on that in a bit. But I really like the parkour, but it isn't the most difficult parkour in this time of the year. It's pretty fast and... Sure, there's a bit of everything in terms of obstacles, but it's hard to create a gap. So Van Haar did the only thing he could do. He put Isabit under pressure for half of the race. Like from the second half of the race, it was almost only Van Haar pushing, pushing, pushing. And eventually in the final lap, that led to Isabit cracking. And that is eventually what made the difference, despite the fact that Lars Van Haar needed to run the barriers because he didn't have the confidence to jump them after a crash in the pre-ride yesterday. Yeah, I think... The, you know the barriers were played a played a role in a way. Uh, obviously, the, I I think that it could have played a bigger role if it was going to be more uphill in a way there that they would have gone a little bit more straight because now you have a lot of turns then and you can get it back quite easily a gap uh, with 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 if you have some technical abilities. But for sure, the barriers were were very crucial in a way. And Van der Haar played it well because in in most of the time when he went to the barriers he was the first guy so he didn't really give them uh, a lot of a, a bigger advantage but if he was able to jump those barriers i think the race you know might have been uh, closed a little bit earlier because um he was just I, I you know the difference between him and the rest today was was huge it, it didn't show in the results but it was huge because he was he was able to push at, at points that I was like, well, the, the beat was, was, you know, there was nothing he, he could do. And uh, uh, I hope we can see a lot of, uh, a lot more moments like this because it, it's, it's, it's not really fun to see only Pau Sousa winning. And hopefully uh, now with also if Arts, you know, can get up a little bit, we can have uh, more battles and even battles in a way in the future. Yeah, I think definitely it's good to see some competition and not only Beat wins as we saw in the beginning of the season. That's really nice to see. Of course, we had that one win of Tonaerts and Gieten and of Quinten Hermans and Fayetteville. But for the rest, it was mainly Elisabeth who was in charge this season. Now, ever since the European Championships, it's been a bit less. So, yeah, I think that's good to see. Let's touch upon Quinten Hermans for a bit. He ended third here. He had a puncture. Do you guys think that without that puncture, he could have beaten Elisabeth or maybe even Lars van der Haar? If I think the he was able to limit the damage of the puncture really well, and it may have cost him a little bit of uh, energy. But uh, I, I didn't really like see the last few meters of Isbit, but I assume he was a little bit closer and just backed off toward the finish. Uh, and I think Hermans just didn't quite have it. Was really the first person in the race. I would agree on that. I think Isbit. I mean, the, the difference in seconds between Isbit and Hermans is only four, but Isbit 
once he knew that he wasn't going to beat Van Haar, his head went down a bit and he gave up for fighting on the win. And then, like, he knew he had a comfortable margin over Hermans. So, yeah, I think Hermans eventually ends in the place that suits him the best in terms of result today. But another solid ride by Quinton Hermans. It's been a very solid season so far for him. Let's run down our entire top 10 then. We had, of course, that podium of Van der Haar, Isabiet and Hermans. Then we saw Toon Aert, who ended fourth. Not really a parkour for him, a bit too fast. Ahead of Michael van Turenhout, who didn't look great today. Then we see a sixth place for the winner of yesterday in Leuven, Laurens Zweig, ahead of Corne van Kessel. Eighth place, Vincent Baastaans. And then we have two Italians who run off the top 10. It's Bertolini in ninth and Dorigoni in 10th. Let's first talk about Corne van Kessel in seventh. Twan, I heard you thought he put in a solid effort today. Yeah, I think uh, it was really nice to see him up there. Uh, helped a little bit uh, there as well when Quinton Hermans got his puncture. Uh, was able to get to uh, Von Duenhout's wheel and make sure that uh, the pace didn't like go all the way up. And that it would be slowed down a little bit. And uh, it's just where uh, you want him to be as uh, Tormans to like, alleviate some of the tactical pressure that's there for Paul Sousa. I think it's definitely an improvement from for Van Kessel compared to earlier this season. He of course also had a very nasty crash at the European Championships. He was forced to retire from the race there. I think he knew that was still affecting him. Today, seventh place showed probably his best race of the season. And I think in a way we can say the same for Vincent Bassans. He crashed yesterday in Leuven and pulled out of the race. Still made the trip here to Tabor, ended eighth, and like for 45 minutes of the race, Bastans was like hanging on, fighting for dear life to stay like in touch with that front group, probably knowing that he would finish eighth. But I think this is another strong showing by Bastans. I mean, sure, the result maybe isn't as good as his result that he got in the USA World Cups, but still eighth place for Vincent Bastans for Hens Maas, and both the team and the riders should be very happy with this, in my opinion. Bastons is having a great season and uh, to be honest I wouldn't be uh, surprised if he got to go to Viettville as uh, part of the selection of Belgium. He's just been very solid and uh, a race like this it's just good to see where he is. Well then some other riders I would like to talk about. First of all the Italians running off the top 10. Isam, this is good to see two Italians in the top 10 of a men world cup. It's been quite a while since we've seen that. Uh, it has been actually. I didn't really uh, thought about that. That's that we don't really have a lot of Italian on the elite level uh, being uh, in the top ten. But it is indeed. It has been a while, and um, I think it's just it's very great to see those two guys there. We know that they have some potential, and it's still early in the season, so we have to wait and see how how things will play out. Obviously, one of the things that 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 plays in this is it's a different parkour than we will have going into the the end of November and also in December because then the mud will play a bigger role and the, the races will be a little bit more tough. This was kind of more a, a, a more a criterion than anything else, but I think nevertheless, very good results. It was not broadcasted very well, so we couldn't see a lot from them, but uh, a solid result and a solid effort to be in ninth and 10th. And I do want to say the same for David van der Poel. He does end outside of the top 10, losing the sprint for 10th place. But it's still a, by far the best result for him this season. I mean, sure, he's gotten some podiums in Spanish races, even a win there. And the fourth place in the GP Destil Oysterwijk. But for the rest, I mean, in, in Bredene, 22nd, 17th in Gieten, 31st in Zonhoven, 28th in Overijse. It hasn't been great. 
but then an 11th place here, it really came by a surprise. Yeah, it, it it comes in a way with a surprise, but also it, it, in a way it's it's something he has he has in him. He is very good when it's a little bit faster. Uh, obviously, he he was focusing also a little bit more last year and this year on the road as well. He did some he did a road campaign. He is from nature. He's a guy that can be very fast. There was even this time that that his brother was telling that in the sprint when they were training together that you know that the Van der Poel David Van der Poel was just sometimes a little bit fast in the sprint. Uh, so you know he has he has the potential, especially on faster races, to be a little bit more in the front, and it's very good to see that he can do that on the main stage as a World Cup. A final mention here would be on another rider who just missed out of on the top ten, Jens Adams, fifteenth, but he was running well inside the top ten. I think he was in ninth together with Bertolini, and then he punctured. So very unfortunate for the privateer from the Hollebeek Hoover team. I think he could have gotten another top ten here which would also have been a solid result. Jens Adams, just like Vincent Bastans, having a very solid season. Let's focus on our women's race then. Tuan, what happened in that race? Because that was a very eventful one. It sure was. Uh, we had three women who took up most of the pacing trying to thin out the peloton. As in the women's cross, we also had very much a peloton race. Uh, and the names of the women pushing the pace were Katablanka Vash, uh, Puk Petersen and Lucinda Brandt as uh, they aimed to thin down the group. And eventually we would get down to a uh, main pack of seven women. Uh, Annemarie Worst, Denise Betsma, uh, Celine Carmen Alvarado and Shirin van Andrade joining them and um, eventually I think Brandt noticed that uh, it, it was going to be a very tactical race it was very hard to create gaps and uh, she moved to the back of the group um, leaving even Van Androoy in front of her which was a bit of a mistake as Andro Van Androoy was the one that was yo-yoing off the back really uh, struggling to uh, keep up all the time but uh, because the cave's pace uh, kept dropping like in the start finish straight and some other places she was able to come back every time but uh, going into the final laps it would be Puck Peterson that really was able to utilize that jumping ability over the barriers to create a gap every single time um, but she would go a little bit too early and uh, Betsma was able to close her down and then into the final lap we saw another Lucinda Brandt on the road attack to position herself well going into the field and uh, she would lead that lap the whole way home putting on uh, an immense show in that final lap uh, gapping everyone and uh, the others would do as much as they could but they would be sprinting for second behind the world champion and it was Puck Peterson that was able to beat out Henri Worst for the podium. Let's talk about that race it was a very tactical one I would first like to well actually not talk about Brandt but about Peterson because she was in charge of this race for I think 75% of the race I think Peterson did a very good job she knew she had the advantage on the barriers because she was the only one of the front group who was jumping them and also jumping them with some style it's not that it was slow it was pretty fast and we saw that it, uh, it really paid off for her every lap she opened the gap there of around five seconds and I think Peterson I mean she knew that she had that advantage there and managed herself to be in front there lap after lap after lap so yeah I think that was uh, very good to see that she was able to jump them and the way she did it but perhaps there should have been some things that she should have done different in the race 
Yeah, I think going into them first and having the space to actually jump or in second place, I think she did it a few times as well. Um, it, it was very smart of her because she is able to use one of the biggest weapons uh, on this course, um, which it's one of very few places that you can actually open up a gap. Uh, it, it's very hard to keep still, but if you press on, you, you will have the opportunity to do so. And I think maybe she tried it a lap too soon, which meant that uh, Betsema was able to close it down um, with, yeah, comfortably, I would say. Uh, and it maybe cost uh, her a bit too much energy. Yeah, I think in a way it wasn't her plan to go all out, but she saw that Betsema was super, super slow in dismounting. I mean, Betsema was so slow that she also got past there, I think. Or at least she was so slow that there was a massive gap opened. And then P Peterson was like, okay, well, if you're going to give me this much of an advantage, I need to try and capitalize on this. And eventually it was a bit too early. We saw that the tiredness kicked in in the final lap, but... I think in a way, Peters is still only second year on the 23. I mean, it's perhaps a bit of an inexperience there. So that Brandt did have the experience. We'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, I think Peters, maybe it will come with age. Like she needs to be in this situation a couple of times and then she will maybe re realize that you don't need to do it every lap. You can wait and keep it behind. Just like Ezerbeet in Neil, he didn't ride up that steep hill lap after lap. He waited, he waited, he waited. The others didn't count on it. And then in the final lap, bam. Or it was the penultimate lap in Neil. But then he pulled out that card and opened a serious gap. So if Peterson would have perhaps waited, then she could have perhaps surprised the others. And I think that's maybe something that can come with experiences. I think with experience and age, huh? it's uh, two things that um, at the moment she still really doesn't have. Uh, it is coming. And you know, to be honest, I with the barriers, it was it was really nice to see because it was kind of the the vibes that you have when when Danny De was was doing the same thing in Pontchateau with the World Championships, and nobody was able to jump the barriers, and she was the only one doing it and got a gap. She could have played it a little bit different for sure, but I think she was not riding for a win; she was riding for for a podium, and in the end, she was very happy with that podium. I think it's should be her first podium in a world cup i'm not really sure no it's um she did podium in overrise that was her first world cup but nevertheless it was uh, it was a very good result from her and um tactically there were a, a lot of mistakes in my opinion i think brand got got the, the victory obviously from herself but also kind of gifted she was put in a position where you know she could play it the way she wanted to play and i think uh, they could have made it a little bit more difficult, uh, especially how she placed herself uh, midway through the race. I think Brandt took a very big risk by doing that. She was at the front for, I think, three laps, second wheel, first wheel sometimes, then third. And then all of a sudden, like she's like, OK, I've had enough. I'm sitting in the final wheel. But it was a very big risk to take, especially when Peters opened that gap. She was lucky that Fosh buried herself and closed that gap. But Fosh sacrificed her own result by doing that she ended sixth in the end but that could have ended very different if Fosh hadn't done that uh, yeah uh, but the, th the thing is as well Betsema closing a gap well you know f for Betsema there was no point in closing the gap because in the sprint she will you know not no win and we have seen it now that she only managed to get fifth and uh, Fosh obviously has a very good sprint in my opinion uh, I think tactically they should have tried to maybe say to her like okay you know uh, it's not the time right now. You have to wait till the last two laps and then try something. 
Uh, same for Petersen, but that's obviously the experience as well as Vosch. So, you know, I think Vorst and Alvarado were happy to stay in that group. And I think if if they were a little bit better, they would have played it a little bit more tactically. But, you know, in the end, Brandt was the strongest and uh, she was able to carry the victory home. Indeed, like, Vosch was maybe a bit too eager with the amount of time she pressed on the front. Um but I, I think one of her main mistakes is going into the final lap in sixth place. Uh, it, it's really hard to overtake and gain positions. And she just wasn't quite able to and didn't have that like extra cushion of someone like dragging you back up uh, when you get dropped a bit. I think so as well. But overall, I think Brandt took a risk, but it paid off. She was probably counting on others to do the work. And considering the rider she was with, that makes sense. I mean, we do all know that if Vash wouldn't have paced, probably Betsma would have paced after all. I mean, Betsma did it in the final lap as well. Betsma rode a very weird race, in my opinion. She was really anonymous in the beginning of the race. In the second part of the race, she came through. But then when we went into the final lap with a big group, I already thought she would end fifth. I even said it, she would end fifth. And in the end, she does end fifth. She puts in effort at a very wrong moment if you're purely looking at result. And that doesn't work. And then eventually she blew up. Also very slow on the dismounts. Both on the stairs and the barriers. Also slow to clip in her pedals. After the stairs and the barriers. And especially here in Tabor. Where you need to be quick on that. Because there's usually a hill. Straight after the obstacle. It costs a lot of power. And that eventually broke Betsema today. But overall I think for Betsema. Form is dropping. And she did peak towards the European Championships, but considering all of this, I think she did peak a bit too early because in New and then today in Tabor, it's not been what it was for Betsema this season. Yeah, I agree on that. That she obviously is not in the shape she was in the beginning of the race, but I think this is not this is not especially in the state Tabor was today very fast. It's it, it's never gonna be a, a race where she's gonna be. Uh, you know, she could have been maybe on the podium, but she never would have won this race. And I think. Especially if you're in a tight battle with Brandt for the World Cup standings, and you have so many, so many women in your in your wheel, and you're gonna close a gap, it's I I just can't really get it. It's it's tactically it's wrong. You know you have you have Brandt who is equal with you on points. You have to play on Brandt. You're gonna be like you are the favorites. You have to bring me back to Petersen, and then from there we're gonna see what's gonna happen. But it seems like I was the only one with that idea in a way, but she didn't have that idea, and uh, it's a bit of a shame, and, and hopefully she can bounce back from it, but I think if she's gonna be riding like this for the rest of, of, of the season with the World Cups and stuff, I don't think a lot of uh, you know uh, classified races are gonna be for her in a way uh, at the end with the general classification. I, I think it's very hard to say, like, Bond, you have to close it here, because, like, Bond is five bikes back, I think, uh, and like did you just give like an extra fee four or five seconds to Petersen for little reason, you know? And I think like in the state Tabor was in indeed, it's just very hard to see her win, but you would at least like to see her place like a big attack, trying to drop as many people as possible and drag like a group of three clear instead of this group of seven. I mean, the parkour is not perfect for her, but if we look at what she's done this season, Zonhoven was also a very rapid track and she won there by a big margin. She was good in Iowa, where she ended second, only behind a very, very good Marianne Voss. Bredener, probably the fastest race of the season, she also won. Of course, not everyone was there, but she still was ahead of people that we saw now. 
don't forget, I mean, it's often forgotten that Betsema does have a very solid sprint in the 2018 European Championships. He almost outsprinted Foss for the silver medal. So, in a way, she could also gamble on her sprint for the second place because I think she could have also won that. Like, sure, Brandt was very good today. I don't think it would have been possible for Betsema to beat Brandt. But fifth place is not good enough, as Isam said, especially considering the classification. They were equal on points coming here. Betsema lost 19 points today, and that's about two wins. She needs to win twice from Brandt, and in the form Brandt is currently in, especially considering the downwards momentum Betsema has picked up, it's a bit hard to see that happen, especially in the near future. Although we have to say, next week in Coxide, it should be a very good parkour for Betsema. Let's look at our entire top 10. We had that win of Brandt ahead of Pietersen and Worst. Then we saw Alvarado ahead of Betsema and Vash. 7th place for Van Androoy ahead of Van Empel and Van der Heide. And 10th place went to Magali Rochette. Let's talk about two riders here in the top 10 who picked up some upwards momentum actually. Worst and Alvarado. I can definitely see improvement in these two riders' performances. I, I do think they rode a bit of an anonymous race. But it's just good to see them there and that they don't get dropped. Um, so I think they can be happy with today and it's just another stepping stone toward the future. I mean, it's good to see Vorst and Alvarado pick up their performances again after having serious issues. For Alvarado, the story is somewhat unknown, but for Vorst, we are kind of getting to know that the back was a big problem for her last season and this season. Very important, because if your back is blocked, you cannot deliver the power that you need to deliver. So it's good to see these riders improve in terms of results. I hope they will be at their best towards the December month and the championships. Isam, do you also think that these two riders will be good at the championships and compete for a podium or perhaps even a win? Uh, I think Worst for sure. Um, but uh, but Alvarado, it's it's a bit of a question mark, especially if it's going to be a little bit tougher. You know, it's going to be very hard in my opinion. I think I think Worst uh, at the moment shows a lot of uh, potential. Um, was again a very strong ride. She she didn't show herself at all in the race, in my opinion. And then the last lap, she was there. Uh, maybe even a bit too late if she was in the wheel of Brandt. I don't know, but uh, nevertheless, it was a very strong la last half part of the race, and I think uh, of the lap of the la of the race, obviously. And I think for the world championship, is definitely gonna be uh, that those two are gonna be favorites. You know, they're not they're not having that palmarès that they have at such a young age already just because they have like one lucky year or something you know they they are a consistent factor in in cyclocross and they will be for many years hopefully uh and you know that that just means that you always have to take them in con in consideration for a world championship let's focus on a group of riders who ended 10th 11th and 12th rochette Homsinger, and clausel all three riders had a bad start today. Rochette missed her pedal twice. Honsinger is just a slow starter and I think Clausel had some sort of issue as well. These riders, they rode as a group for almost the entire race. Sprinted it out for 10th place eventually. But, like, they rode a good race and the result doesn't display the performance they put in. Because if you had a bad start here today, it was nothing you could do anymore because... A group was very important, as Isam said earlier, it was kind of like a criterium today. So if you miss out on that group, it's kind of over for you. So then to still end at the back end of the top 10 is, in my opinion, still solid. Yeah, it's especially the time gap. Like, they definitely 
it could have gone like uh, a few seconds a lot faster if they were just with that front group if they immediately had that connection but it's just a bit harder to have to produce that yourself uh, so in that way a bad start is just very unfortunate uh, because you're just not quite going to get to the slightly better people that you could have hung on to if you did have a good start. Rosette overall was very happy with her race and they eventually overtook Lechner and Frank who were in the top 10 in the beginning of the race but both exploded a bit and fell back. I'd also like to talk here on Yara Kastelein who ended 17th. She also had a bad start but that was because there was a crash in front of her so she could do nothing about it. After that her chain also blocked and she needed to chase all the way from last place. Then to end 17th it's not a shame either. She did even beat Anique van Alphen from the 777 team, the old team of Kastelein. But in my opinion Anique van Alphen has been a bit disappointing throughout the last week. She had a very good start to her season. She looked to have made another step. But it's faded pretty quickly. She has not get, been getting the top 10s that we kind of expected from her. Yeah, I was really hoping that uh, Van Alphen would just be one of those riders that you would continuously see in the back end of the top 10. Um, so this season, it just hasn't quite made that, like, or kept that step. It's it's a bit disappointing uh, because, like, for large parts of the season last year, it was there. What you would hope to see from her. And now, and unfortunately, just... It just isn't like 11th, 12th places, then an 18th, 19th. It's just, it's not quite what you were hoping for. Indeed, she now barely ends in front of some promising under 23 riders. We saw Zemanova, Schreiber, and Katie Close and 20th, 21st, and 22nd. About Close, we already mentioned her in the new podcast, so we won't go into her performance that much today. But I do like to talk here about Zemanova and Schreiber because to end in the back end of a of the top 20 of a world cup is in my opinion a solid result like in the men's race we often see these under 23 riders come in the top 10 but these two are first year under 23 riders 20th and 21st with almost all the top riders here I think this is something they can move forward from I'm excited to see what they can do in the future I mean, in the men's, you uh, 23 riders that finish like in the top 10, I think uh, those are also like the older ones usually. And like them being first year U23, they're not quite there yet. But uh, these uh, these are just very good results. Very uh, good from for them to see as well that they can uh, still get some uh, nice uh, racing in. Yeah, it's definitely good to see, and if we look further, I think especially the first year under 23 now is pretty strong, because we see Millie Cousins in 24th, and later on in the result we also find Olivia Onesti, 26th, so I think it's really exciting to see these young riders already being up there in these World Cups, and like in general, a lot of young riders racing these World Cups, so... Yeah, I'm pretty excited about what the future brings because we've already seen Peterson providing us with some great technique and in the future I think we'll see great battles with her and then the likes of Van Androoy and Van Empel and Fasch. So I'm looking forward to the future. And a lot of different nations as well in this first year under 23s. That is also great to see. I think we have been provided with some good racing in the men's and women's race. I will also briefly mention the results of the youth races here. Men's under 23 race was won by Mace Hendricks. He was leading the race for quite a while with Anton Ferdinand, but Ferdinand had a crash in the last lap and ended fourth. The second place then went to Rijnkamp, and a friend of the show, Cameron Mason, ended third. 
was a pretty eventful race. Some riders having quite bad days like Thibaut Nice, others having punctures like Vitsemilse, riders having good days like Roulier and Jente Michels who also had a puncture, so it was a quite eventful one. Shame it wasn't broadcasted. If we look to the races even early on the day, the men's juniors race was won by David Haverdings in front of Nathan Smith, who rides for our own cyclocross garden shed team. And first year, Jordi Corses ended third, the Belgian. That was also a pretty eventful race, big groups there. The women's junior race was a lot less interesting. We saw Zoe Buckstead taking the win ahead of Leonie Benfeld. Benfeld got dropped around the halfway point of the race. Behind that, we saw the Italian Venturelli, who was only a first year and third. She just beat the home favorite Hatlikova from the Czech Republic. Well, with that said, we've covered it for Tabor. Tonne Isam, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for hosting. This week, we'll be uploading more podcasts on Wednesday. We have an interview coming out with Australian cyclocross rider Heinrich Hausler. He will tell us about why he does cyclocross, what he loves about it, and what he is looking to do for the rest of this season. So make sure to tune in. If you didn't listen to yesterday's podcast, that is about the ATS Kost in Leuven. We spoke with Anna Kay and Philippe Orts about their races there. So make sure to listen to that as well. Thank you guys for listening to this episode, and I will catch you guys later. Goodbye.